Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Seth Macy. This is episode 26. The last one was episode 25, which was a big milestone for me and for all you listening. So again, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, If this is your first time listening to the show, I'll have you know that this is the Photographer Mindset Podcast, probably a little bit different than some other podcasts that you've, photography podcasts you've been listening to. We don't talk about editing. We don't talk about what people shoot with. We talk about the creative approach that uh, successful and inspirational photographers in the Instagram community um, are instilling in their practice. I like to call it a practice because we're always trying to improve. Um, Today I'm joined by Melissa Wellams uh, from Calgary. I was actually just out in Jasper and what a beautiful place. I could move out there heavily debating it, moving out there for a short period of time just because of the wildlife, um, the mountains you can't beat. Uh, Melissa, thanks so much for joining uh, me on the show um, and coming on and spreading some of your knowledge and your experience for myself and everyone listening. Um, as uh, someone who's heard a couple episodes, why don't you start off by just letting us know your journey into photography and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I guess I... Um... I was in love with photography growing up and my dream was to be a photojournalist and um, I was in high school and that's what I wanted to do at university. And my parents said, okay, Melissa, um, why don't you check and see how many photojournalists have died and then maybe reconsider your career choice. And so I did that and and then decided to go into business. Um, But while I was at a university, I did a photography course over the summer. Like it was like full, you know, film, Mm -hmm. Um, back then, um, it was like 20 years ago. So, uh, I was doing film photography and did a lot of darkroom work. Absolutely loved it. And really? my photography instructor said like, what are you doing here at university? And I told him, I said like, you know, business. And he said, we should really consider doing this, um, as a career. And I said, well, I need to make money, so I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and, right on. Um, yeah. And I went and finished business school. And, um, anyway, funny enough, I went traveling for a year and a half after that, like backpacking around. And I, I must've had like 35 rolls of film with me and took a ton of pictures. Um, and just like was in love with it and mm-hmm. everything went digital shortly after I got back home and it freaked me right out. And I literally put my, camera really? down. yeah, I put my camera down for 20 years because I, I just, the Photoshop, whole photoshop thing just really me and freaked me out and i i felt like i felt like it was cheating for one because it was i was used to you know processing everything in the dark room old school and then this photoshop thing seemed a lot like i don't know just really gimmicky cheating cheating it seemed like cheating that's the best way i can put it and and so and it also scared me because like i said total techno peasant i don't like technology i love that phrase techno peasant (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, I guess that just really freaked me out. And, and then I put the camera down and then I was in Portugal just traveling around and surfing, um, about four years ago. And Mm -hmm. I just, I brought a Nikon with me, like a Nikon I picked up again, just kind of fooling around with. And, um, I started shooting and I was showing people some pictures I was taking with that and my phone. And they said, Hey, like you've got a real eye. And then I just started getting back into it. Like my passion for it kind of came back and I went home and, um, bought a, a DSLR and, um, nice. and then, yeah. And then it's kind of been an obsession since then. And I probably shoot yeah. like two, three times a week, whether it's landscapes or portraits or whatever. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And then funny enough, we were talking about Alan Pullman, Elftown, and I met him mm-hmm. about a year after I got into photography. Uh, I was fascinated with some of the work he did with Northern lights and, I said, I really want to meet you. I want to know how you did this. And he was saying, you know, what he what he does in Photoshop and this and that to his photographs. And he taught me just a little bit about Photoshop. And it kind of was enough for me to get over right. my year of using it. And ever since then... It's, it's not so scary. Come over here. It's not <laughs> so scary. Um, it's really, yeah. It's like the most powerful tool you can use as a photographer, I think, just to kind for of... For real. Hear, photos to the next level and just create the images that you envision. So, so yeah, so that's kind of how my whole photography, I guess, I was like hobby more than a career um, has evolved. That's so awesome. I mean, every single person who pretty much every single person who's been on this show has taken a hiatus and then like come back to it. And then it becomes their obsession. Very rarely is it like a right off the bat, 
and just from there on out, it's that's all they want to do. There's always even myself included. I mean, I was always kind of interested in it as a as like um as a teen, and it never really amounted to what it is now. And then you kind of just if you find your way back, and I think that's how you know that um, photography is meant for you. Like throughout my life the things that have happened to me, the places I've been, the different schools I've gone to craziness is just the one constant has always been that I've wanted to go out and shoot. And I think that's always a good sign. You know what I mean? It means you're doing, you're following your passion and it's cool. What you say that you can be an excellent photographer and still be a hobbyist. You know what I mean? A lot of people have this notion, like to be excellent, you got to be full time. You got to be a pro. Yeah. Um, and that's just really not the case. Cause you were saying you're a mining consultant, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so you have like a very mining, but I consult yeah, like, the mining industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a very, I <laughs> imagine busy profession. You're traveling a lot. Um, so I think it's important for people to hear that you don't need to be a pro, you know, like you can be awesome and an amazing photographer without needing like that label, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think like my dad, I don't know why my dad always told me this and usually my mom and my dad, like my mom's an artist and, mm-hmm. um, and they said, you know, once you make your hobby, your career, the passion often goes away. And that sort of happened to me with dance because I danced professionally for a little bit back. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, I was in university and, um, and I started out just doing it because I loved it. And then I got, you know, good enough to kind of go on with the company and, and once I, once I was doing it for more of a career, I lost this, like, it's like the it thing that they look for when you're on stage. And I had even some of my choreographers say to me, like, you've lost the thing that we wanted in you when you saw you perform. And I think it was because I became so obsessed with the technical aspect of it. And am I doing this perfect and, and whatever. And so I've always been cognizant of that with photography too. Like, um, how much do I want to pursue it as a career and how much do I want to just keep it as as what I love, you know, um, you know, do I want to, you know, I've done jobs for photography and sometimes there are things you don't want to shoot. And, um, and sometimes there are things you really do want to shoot and your, and your client allows you to have all the creative freedom in the world. And you say, this is fantastic. And you get to go off and do your thing. And then other times it's very specific Mm -hmm. and, and you're, you know, kind of restricted to, okay, like I'm going to do a headshot for this person's whatever LinkedIn page. And that's not my most favorite thing to do, but I do enjoy doing it in the sense that the people that I give the photos to, they're really happy with it. And then it makes them feel good that they have a picture that they can put up in front of, you know, the world for them. Exactly. So, I mean, there's different, I think that I try to balance that, you know, keeping the the hobby side and then the, the more professional side. Um, yeah. Right. Balance between the two. Well, I mean, there's two sides to this coin. There's the classic uh, cliche of find something you'll love and you'll never work a day in your life, right? And then there's, that's the idealistic side of the coin. And then there's often the very too real side of the coin. And and I think at times better side of the coin, which is, you know, find something that makes you steady income that, you know, you, you don't hate, that allows you to do the things you love in your free time. Like there's two routes you can go. It's not one or the other. And I feel like um, a lot of people feel like a sellout if they do the second one, which isn't the case. Like, I mean, if you're able to make, we were talking about uh, Alan, like he's a social worker full time yeah, and one of the best photographers I know. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if something's providing you the supplemental income to be able to go and do this kind of stuff, to travel to the Rockies, to travel to Iceland, to do these things, like why not? Yeah. I mean, what's the difference? You're still pursuing that passion yeah. right yeah no, which i think is really cool and i mean and i love my regular job like i it is i, I mean of course there's something strategic about it that i don't get out of photography and then there's something on the creative side that i needed that i was lacking in my life um mm-hmm. doing my day job so i mean there is that fine balance and and i think that that's you know kind of what makes everything work for me yeah yeah no and i liked what you said about um for example, doing a LinkedIn, a LinkedIn headshot. I mean, it's not exactly, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I got super psyched to do those. Um, you know, white background, just clicking a button, changing some settings. Um, so one of the points I had written down, it's actually a great segue into this was, um, if you really need to be excited about everything that you shoot, or if it's okay to accept the fact that maybe some things in photography are just money makers. Like if you're doing real estate or if you're doing, I don't know, like shooting a product, 
beef jerky. I don't, I don't really know something that you're not that excited about. Like, do you think you need to be over the moon about everything you're shooting or is it okay to like have a few things that you're really into and maybe the other things just make you some money so that you can go and do those things? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like any job. I mean, even parts of my normal job, there's aspects that I love and there's aspects that I think like, my God, I wish I had somebody I could just pay to do this part. Um, right. But I mean, with photography for me, even if there's something I'm not really excited about, like, like you said, it's a LinkedIn headshot, whatever it is, whatever it may be. Um, sometimes I just, I try to think, how can I do this better than I did it before? So it's almost right. like, that's a great how, attitude to have. Like, how do I, how do I, how do I make this perfect even if it's something that they the client would notice it's like how would i make it better than i did Mm -hmm. the last headshot or what can i do with lighting or what can i learn um on this project that i you know haven't done before so for for me it's always just a like a learning experience and um yeah i mean how can like real estate i mean i don't do a ton of it but i've been asked to do it a few times and that's just a challenge for me it's like okay so wait how do Mm -hmm. i make sure that the windows are exposed perfectly and the indoor, you know, like it's, it's a real challenge. So, um, I think every job that I do, I just go out and try to make sure I can do the best job I can. Right. Well, I love that. I think the key word in there was challenge. Cause as you were saying that I wrote down like a personal challenge, it's more, it, it's more of a personal challenge to yourself. And as an example, I was just in Jasper, your stomping grounds or Alberta or whatever. Um, and I was doing the classic Emerald Lake shot and it, at, you know, at dusk as the sun's going down, um, exposure bracketing and stuff. And I had just been there in February pre COVID. Um, but I made it my mission to stand somewhere else and create a different composition and do something different. Um, it just made me think of that because if you're not striving for continuous improvement, whatever you're doing, what are you, why are you even doing what you're doing? You know what I mean? I think that's at the basis of all human psychology is wanting to do better. Yeah. And I, you know what I mean? I think there's been kind of a, yeah, like it's like a double-edged sword with Instagram is you, like based on what you said, there's a challenge of going to find a shot that other people have and saying like, how do I get that shot? Because you want it. And then there's a challenge of Mm -hmm. like, great, I'm going to a new place. I don't want to look at anything that anybody's ever shot there because I want to be able to go and experience it through my own eyes and then figure out how I'm going to, you know, like display this to the world as the right how everybody else did so um yeah i think i think that that's also an interesting challenge just like from a photography perspective is how do you create something that's original and i had a friend of mine actually went out to minnewanka the other day and i was um i was out with um ck photo chaser uh, he does a lot of night photography and he came back and he posted a bunch mm-hmm. of from minnewanka and i thought man like i've actually never seen that composition before and he was off doing his thing i was off doing mine And in fact, I was looking for a composition from another photographer who I'm convinced actually comped the whole mountain in because it doesn't exist. But here I am am chasing this composition that I saw somebody else get because I was thinking like, this is incredible. And then my friend is off shooting something, comes back with this totally original composition. Not because he wasn't worried about that. So yeah, I know. I know. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no. And I mean, a lot of times I struggle, for example, I'll use the Emerald Lake shot again, because it's so iconic, right? How many photographers go there a day? Um, part of like my internal struggle is one, uh, maybe it's like egotistical in a way. It's just like, I don't want to be like everybody else. But I mean, there's only so many square inches you can stand in, right. in that area, right? So I think it comes down to like, you just got to challenge yourself and, and accept that. Um, I'm sure like there are original ideas but they're unicorns. I mean, I believe like you get to a point where everything's kind of been done and a lot of it ends up relying on the edit and your own, like your own personal style. Um, that's why I think like editing is one of the most important skills you can have because you and I could take the exact same picture from the same tripod position and end up with two totally different artistic results. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I mean, I see that a lot in landscape stuff and even more so in, in portrait. Like I can't believe what mm-hmm. a before and after look like with some photographers out there, like some of the people that I just really admire. So, and some of the stuff right. that I've been able to learn how to do too, it's just, it's like the power of, like I said, Photoshop is incredible and not, and not faking things so much, but just like bringing out, you know, some of the yeah. qualities that are already there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even to use that example, 
bringing out the qualities that aren't even there. Some people get all, some people get all twisted about that idea, but it's the same thing with Astro. That stuff you can't see with your eye until you bring it out, like all the stars and star trails. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is an interesting way to think about it. You're just accenting what's already there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is easy to overdo stuff and it's like quite obvious when somebody's overdone something, but uh, I found what you said really interesting um, about not wanting you produce the idea of not going to a new place and not wanting to see what other people have done just so like you don't have any framework in your mind of how things should be done. Yeah. Um, Do you like to come up with a concept or a plan, stick to it? Um, wing it entirely. Um, this can be in any genre of photography. I'll, I'll present this question to you. Or do you like to kind of have a hybrid of the two? Like what is, what works for you as a creative approach? Yeah. Um, I think that's a good question. I, I'm going to talk to about it, talk about it from like a portrait standpoint. So I usually, I usually have something that I create in my mind, like when I do my portrait work, I often think see things as like scenes in a movie almost. So it's like, what would be mm-hmm. like a static scene in a movie that I'd want to create um, or tell a story through a series of photographs, right? Um, at a certain shoot. And so I have these images in my mind and these are the ones that I want to get. And then sometimes you get there and you realize that the conditions don't allow you to get that shot. Like you can't exactly. get that scene, you know, because it's overcast and terrible. Um, or like you realize that what you thought the surroundings were going to look like are completely different or, you know, just something, there's always something that's off. So you have to be flexible and just kind of roll with the punches. And then the other thing too, is like working off of the people that are with you. So whether it be like your stylist or your model or your makeup artist and getting them to say like, Hey, what about this? Or the model doing something and you get this candid photo that ends up being like your best Mm -hmm. photo in the whole shoot. And, or they do something and you think I'm going to roll with that because what my train of thought was, is not where we want to go. Let's continue going with where they're taking us. So I think, I think it's good to have a plan. Um, so you're not getting out there and going like, Oh, scrambling about like, what are we doing here? And then models get frustrated too. And, but at the same time being flexible enough to say like, let's just go with however, whatever makes sense. Yeah. You know, and being humble enough to say, you know what, that I, I'm the photographer here, but that idea you came up with is really great. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing when, you know I mean? knowing when to stop, like there's been so many times where I'm trying to get this one shot and I'm struggling and I realize, like, man, like, let this go. Like you gotta just yeah. like let this one die and move on. And so I think it's like knowing when to say, like, just give up on that and move oh. on to something else. And that it that is that idea is relatable in so many senses i mean it's relatable in editing knowing when to stop um that's a skill learning when to like walk away like you've done enough it doesn't need anymore and also just when you're shooting a scene i mean um i'm a lot of the time i'm out shooting with my girlfriend and i'm always say okay last one last one and there's like 50 more yeah i mean you have to drag me away and i mean that's a skill right especially once you get working um for brands or if you're doing um if you're shooting with a model like that's your time right you got to know how to um prior not prioritize but stick to the schedule because like you can burn through an hour pretty quick if you're stuck on a concept yeah which i'm sure you know very well it's like (laughs) sometimes if it's not working you got to move on or if you've you've got it don't try and be a perfectionist like yeah you know what i mean yeah um but an an interesting thing on this show is a lot of people who come on are very um, niche in the sense of they do one or two things really, really, really well, whether that's, um, I don't know, like seascapes or I don't know, moody forest shots. And that's kind of in the last few years, um, what's been recommended from like YouTube gurus. I use that word loosely um, and other people that you should really specialize in one or two things and get really good at one or two uh, genres of photography. But um, yourself looking at your website, I mean, I, I know you said you only have done a little bit of real estate, but I mean, you've done commercial work, portraits, weddings, family, your landscapes are stunning. You've done some wildlife. Um, do you think people really should be honing in on one or two things and getting really good at those? Or do you think it's more beneficial to be versatile? Like, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, it's funny. I asked so many people the same question. 
<laughs> and I got some interesting answers and it, and it really happened probably just like within the last year or two that I had that conversation a lot, um, mm-hmm. partly because I was looking to get a little bit more work in photography and trying to figure out how do I market myself. And, um, funny first of all i had some people like when you look at my instagram page for example on my landscape page like it's pretty eclectic um Mm -hmm. and and that's just part of me experimenting and part of me you know trying new things and not wanting to be put in a box it's not i don't even think it's deliberate i think it's just me going like hey i want to shoot this bear today and you know tomorrow i want to shoot a mountain and i don't want to be stuck shooting just mountains um so so yeah, so people have looked at my Instagram page, like, I mean, probably two years ago, and I had people say to me, like, you have no style. Um, and so I got really hung <laughs> up on that. And I was like, man, like, do I? In a mean way or a nice way? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think they were trying to be helpful, <laughs> but, um, but I, I don't know. And I, and I guess I just wanted to, I just wanted to know how do I get one? <laughs> I was like, man, how do I do this? And so and then I started thinking about artists, you know, like just painters and you think, okay, so if you look at, you look at some of like, you know, the most famous painters in the world and their style mm-hmm. evolved over time, right? And it's not like they had one style and my mom's an artist and I right. think what she did 15 years ago and what she does now. And she's also a very eclectic artist and, and I think it served her well. So um, in the end, I just said, look, like I'm going to continue what, doing what I'm doing. Um, and then when I went out to get some more commercial work, I had a few conversations with some marketing agencies, some ad agencies. And funny enough, um, actually one guy, when I, when I was talking about portrait work, this one guy who's a portrait photographer, he looked at my webpage and he said, look, you're all over the map. He said, you know, you really mm-hmm. focus on what the heck you're doing because at the end of the day, nobody's going to understand like what you're shooting, what you do, like you shoot. He's like, I don't know. I think you shoot like a little bit of boudoir and you shoot a little bit of landscape and you shoot. I'm like, I don't even shoot boudoir. So I don't know what he was looking at. But anyway, the point was he was basically saying like, you got to hone in on something and be really good at one thing. And then I got really caught up in that. And then I started talking to ad agencies and some of them that ended up hiring me hired me because I had a wide like repertoire of, Right. And they said, look, we know that if we take a product out somewhere and want to shoot lifestyle, like you're going to be able to get the lifestyle, you're going to be able to get the product and you're going to be able to get the landscape in the background for everything. And, and then I've just said like to hell with it, I'm doing what I do and it's worked for me so far. So um, am I good at one thing? Like really, really good at one thing? Probably not. I'd probably be better if I actually focused on one thing, you know what I mean? But, um, but like I said, it's more my passion than my career. So I'm just going to do what I love to do. Right. Right. And the thing with that, to go back to the ad agencies too, is, you know, next time they get a client for a different category, they know that you can do that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Which is I, extremely think useful. Is, I think versatility is great. I mean, there's, there's benefits to being a jack of all trades and there's benefits to being, you know, like really, really good at one thing and the expert. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, take your pick. But here's the nice thing. And <laughs> I'm going to let you, um, vouch more for this idea because people who are avid listeners of the show are tired of hearing me tell them to get a website. <laughs> Um, I say it like almost every episode that you need a website to be a serious photographer. And if you want commercial stuff, um, but I mean, if you really wanted to hone in on that one thing, put it on your Instagram, like have a landscape nature page, you know, great. But then put whatever the hell you want in your website. Like I have concert photography on my website, portraits, my commercial stuff, um, you know, things like that, that you don't see on my Instagram, which is very similar to you in a way. Yeah. Um, I think that's another good way to go, but I want you to tell people what you told me before we started recording about why your webs, why having a website was so important. Yeah. So I've been shooting for about four years. And when I say shooting, I mean like back with my camera after my hiatus. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the first, I'd say like two and a half, three years, I just had Instagram and I thought, okay, this is the way to, you know, market myself and get myself out there. And all I got was just a bunch of brands sending me messages saying like, we'll send you this product and you can pay, you know, 80% of the cost of it and whatever, and we'll post it. And then like, in the end, you're like, man, like I'm spending all this money for these people who want pictures for me. Like, this is crazy. Um, And so how did I get out of that? And then I started talking to some other people and they said like, get a website, like 
at the end mm-hmm. of the day, people who are looking for photographers still Google, they Google like Calgary photographer, like they need somebody to shoot, you know, their product or their family or their yep. wedding or like whatever it is, they Google it. And so that, um, that's what I did. And I, once again, I am not very good at technology and I actually created techno peasant, right? <laughs> techno peasant. I created my own website. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, but it gets the job done. And the other thing, somebody told me, actually, they said, because um, like, I had this website, but nobody was seeing it. And mm-hmm. like, I even tell people Melissa Wellens Photography, which is really long and probably not the best site name. But anyway, I asked people to Google that and they'd say, like, I can't even find you. Like some Melissa Williams and whatever is coming up in the States somewhere. And I was like, great, this is like useless. Mm. And then... I got um, some advice from a few people saying like, A, you need to get on Google Maps and B, you need to get into Google ads and you need to get your stuff really um, showing up on the searches. So that's what I focused on. And Google ads actually, I mean, here's like a plug for Google Google ads, which I obviously, they don't need it. Um, But anyway, it actually is really- How much they paying you? Yeah, I pay (laughs) them. So they should be paying me for this. But um, I should get like a year's free worth of Google ads for this. But anyway, it actually has helped. I found, um, and I don't pay a lot. I pay like a very minimal amount, but really it just helped me get um, people interested. Like I had a company say, you know, can you shoot the Matt and Matt store in Vancouver? And unfortunately they realized I was in Calgary. And I think that that kind of kiboshed mm. the whole thing during COVID. But, um, but yeah, I actually had people reach out to me because of, of my, of my ads online. So I think that the website has been critical in actually getting any kind of exposure. Instagram, right? I mean, Instagram works for some people and it's good for influencer types, but that's not where I'm really wanting to go. So, Right. I mean, just the website is its own authenticator in a way that you're legitimate and, um, you know, this is what you do as opposed to every other person who has an Instagram, right? Well, it's a funny story that you say it's about legitimate because, and this just is not about photography, but it goes back to my other job. And like, so my consulting firm, we have been working for years and years and my partner um, in the States, like we do a lot of work word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, we didn't have a website. And I said, like, we should probably get a website. And at one point we had a very well-known mining company, which I won't name, but I mean, a very, very big mining company that was um, hiring us for a job and their lawyer got the contract and they said, um, I'm sorry, who are these people you're hiring? They're like, do they even have a website? <laughs> okay. It's like, a big red flag. Yeah. Like it's a big red flag these days. If you don't have a website, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, my mom has a website and like she's 70 years old and the painter and she had a website before I did. So um, yeah, get on it. So no excuses, right? No for anybody excuses. listening, <laughs> no literally excuses. no excuses. Yeah. So thank you for that. Cause now people have heard it from more than just me and, um, I guess they can stop rolling their eyes. Um, so let's get into then how you, um, how you charge. I mean, super vague question, but, um, something everyone struggles with or has struggled with, including me. Um, I think it's different based on a lot of different factors, what you should charge for commercial work and real estate. And um, I have a few thoughts on it, but I want to know maybe how you go from start to finish of um, working out what you're going to get paid for. um, Let's focus on maybe on commercial stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if we have a lot of wedding photographers who listen, but maybe, maybe we'll focus on some commercial stuff. So how you go about pricing your time and valuing your time, because I feel in this day and age, a lot of people completely undervalue and undercharge. They don't value their time, which is just so sad. And like you said, when we were speaking off the record is, um, that hurts the industry, right? Um, if you're charging 20 bucks an hour, and you and I are the same skill level. Like I now have to lower my prices because of that just to compete. Um, when you have thousands of thousands of dollars worth of gear and a timeless amount of knowledge and experience. Um, so maybe share your thoughts on that whole thing there. Yeah. So it's been a struggle. I think that that's been one of the most challenging things for me. And honest to God, I ended, ended up talking to a lot of photographers who I knew worked full time as photography. And I asked them and you know, the ones who were willing to tell me their prices and say like, this is what I charge, or even in some cases, I would call up photographers and say, Hey, like, I need headshots. Like, can I get 
you know, what do you charge for like three heads? Oh, a little espionage. Yeah. I mean, like you want, okay, so it's like any business, like you've got to be business savvy. You've got to know what your competition is charging and you want to know what the market will bear. So ask people, ask around, like, what would you be willing to pay? Um, you know, obviously there's going to be a range. And then I think ultimately you have to decide what you're comfortable with, you know, yourself. So some people are going to be willing to do a job for X price and other people mm. say, absolutely, I'm not working for that. I will, I have to charge Y for whatever reason. Do you know what I mean? Like right. maybe it's like the amount of time they have available. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's their cost. I don't know. But I mean, you have to decide what's right for you. And I think ultimately that's how I um, determine whether or how much I'm going to charge for a job. And I'm also very consistent. So like if I charge one client uh, a certain amount, I'm not going to charge somebody else something completely different because word gets around and then they'll say like, wait a second, why right. did this person a deal? And I mean, and that just goes for me with my, my business everywhere. Like I, people talk, so they know what people charge and you don't want to be, you know, charging half the price for one person and then, you know, double for somebody else. Um, and then, right. And then I, I've, I've had conversations recently, like, especially with portrait photography, it, it's, it, that's where I find, I think the, um, the industry is getting a little bit screwed by people who just want to do time for print and, um, or people who will just give out like a ton of pictures for dirt cheap. And so I have, you know, families calling me and saying, Hey, you know, how much do you charge for a portrait session for, you know, like we want 10 photos or whatever. And I tell them how much mm-hmm. I charge. And literally this was a conversation I had recently. Like a guy asked me how much do I charge for a portrait session? And I told him he was fine with that. He was like, okay, this is great. And I said, like, you'll get X number of pictures for that. Um, and then he comes back to me and he says, okay, well, can you give me another, uh, like 10 pictures unedited for another 50 bucks? And I said, well, no, I cannot because, um, A, I don't give out unedited photos. Like what you see of my work is edited. So if I give you an unedited photo, you're not going to be happy with it for one. B, I don't want other people seeing unedited photos. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. And then he finally says to me, he goes, well, I just don't understand. Why can't you give me all the photographs that you shot that time that you were with me considering we're paying you for your time? And I wrote him back and I said, okay, look, I said, this is how the industry works. Some people charge per photo. Some people Mm -hmm. charge per hour. So their time. And some people charge a combination of both. I said, I charge per photo. So essentially you can think of my time on set for free because I'm only giving you the price per photo. So the two hours I spend with you, that's part of the deal. Everything else that you buy is like what you're paying for. Interesting. And I said, does that make sense? And he said, no, you didn't answer the question, but thanks anyway. <laughs> and, wow. and, and that's just how it went. And and I thought, well, you know what? That's great. And that's somebody that I don't want to do work with. And, and I just, like I talked to other photographers and they said, Melissa, stick to your guns, stick to your guns because the minute you, you know, acquiesce to everybody who just wants some crazy deal, it's like you've lowered right. the bar for every future job you've got. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to stand up for yourself like that. Otherwise people will just, um, take advantage of you. Um, and you know, nobody, nobody wants that. Um, I think it, it's very interesting what you said about, um, you'll charge the same for everyone. Um, because people talk, right. Um, maybe it's the, in, maybe it's the people I'm doing work for, and maybe it's cause I'm still in the experiment phase of, you know, the ideal amount to charge. Um, but when, like when I was starting out, I would, you know, it's a lot of guesswork at the start, especially for commercial stuff when you're doing brand work and small business. Um, you know, I, w- I would charge a certain amount and if I got the gig, um, you know, the next one I would see if I could push it a little more. Right. You know, if it was, these are just completely hypothetical numbers, but if it was like 300, you know, for whatever, an hour, hour and a half, the next time I was trying to see if, you know, well, will 325 work. And if it was, if I kept getting green lights, I was going to, you know, go until I got resistance. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but my thoughts behind that are, is a little bit of like AB testing and marketing and just trying to see where the limit is, I guess. Um, running my own little experiment. I mean, luckily my clients are like dispersed. Um, but also another interesting thing to, to mention is, um, 
you know, I've increased my prices on um, repeat clients who don't really bat an eye, um, which is, I guess, a good sign. I think, I mean, as you gain your confidence with those kinds of clients, maybe you're able to charge a bit more. Um, I don't know, just something to think about. Uh, I get your point of view though, as well, especially if you're in a tighter knit community, you know, that wouldn't be so cool if <laughs> in a two week split, there was a hundred dollar <laughs> price difference between two people. Like that wouldn't be very cool. Um, at the same time, I also think it could be beneficial if you're like learning what your ideal price range is, is to just kind of experiment enough. Cause I remember my first ones that I was doing, I got burned. Like I felt by the end of it, like, wow, I did not charge enough. Yeah. And that's the worst feeling. I, I mean, I, I think I agree with what you're saying, though. I I don't think there's a problem with increasing your prices and knowing what mm. you're doing and then just saying, like, I'm not going to go backwards. I think it's just going backwards. And it's just, you know, let's say you charge $1,000 right. and then somebody comes to you with the same kind of project and then you charge them 500 bucks because they whine a little bit. Like, you're doing yourself a yeah. service in that sense. So. Right. Um, I think, yeah, don't go backwards. I mean, obviously, if you can increase your prices because your quality of your work is better, you're doing more work, you're, you know, just like the market will bear that much, then mm-hmm. yeah, go for it. But I mean, when you're just all over the map and just giving out random prices to people, right? I mean, then you become untrustworthy. And, you know, I had one one guy I know who who's a portrait photographer and and he said to me, oh, I just charged this much for this wedding. And he goes, and I was so mad at myself because I got there and they were all driving around in Lamborghinis and this and that. He's like, they're filthy rich. I should have charged them more. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but like you're just discriminating against somebody who has money. Like you charge what you charge. Like it doesn't matter if they are, you know, a hotshot lawyer or, you know, they work like a you know normal minimum wage job. Like your worth is the same. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. I think in that sense, I think you have to respect yourself and not try to take advantage of other people. Right. It's so interesting because I'm sure there'd be so many people who are on either side of the fence. Like if you go researching, there's lots of people who say, oh, know your client. Like if they have high income, like you can charge more. But I also see what you're saying. Like that's kind of, you're not doing anything differently. Like you're still providing the same service. I mean, I guess it comes down to like, I don't know what's the word greed. I don't really want to put a negative spin on that, but I mean, like you said, you're not doing anything differently. It's the same amount of time and the same amount of work, whether the people are low income, high income, middle income, whatever, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's something to think about for sure. Yeah. I mean, ultimately for me, it's at, at the end of the day, it has come down to what am I willing to work for? And I have a minimum that I will, like, I am not working for under this simply because it's not worth my time, frankly. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not worth my time and effort, especially when you talk about like going back to that passion. Like, is it something you're super excited about? No, I'm not really excited about. So if you want me to do that, and you want me to get out and do that, then you're going to yeah. minimum amount. And that's just, that's the bar I've set for myself. And I think everybody has to have that for themselves. Right. And I think a lot of it is maybe this is with um, younger, more inexperienced photographers, but I feel like as you get more experience and you start to learn a bit more, you understand that your time is the most valuable thing or most valuable asset you have. Like there's nothing more valuable than your time. And that goes from, you know, people who don't uh, respond to emails or people who, you know, say they're going to call you and don't call you. Like when that happens to me, like I got no time for that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I just value my time too much. So it, that idea of valuing your time goes so far um, even as far as like how you personally choose to spend your time, like, are you on Netflix all the time? Are you like playing games or are you like, are you reading books, learning? Are you following your passions? I don't know. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but it just made me think of, you know, why people don't value their time. There's so many people you see who just either subconsciously or, co- or consciously just don't value that. And I wonder why that is and how, you know, as photographers, we can overcome that. Um, I don't know if it's a self-worth issue, but just really, I guess, standing up for yourself and, and, and like telling yourself that there, you have value and your time is the most important thing you have. I wonder why that is for so many people. Yeah, I don't know. And I just try to, I try to frame it in terms of other people's jobs. So, I mean, I've had this conversation with a few different people now and 
<clears throat> they've always made that same point. Like, I don't understand why you can't just give me all of the pictures that you shot that day. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I'll say to them, well, why can't you just give me all of the food that you made today in the restaurant that like wasn't, you know, used or whatever. Why can't you just give me the leftovers of everything that you had left over in your kitchen? Like, <laughs> no, because the, you paid for a meal. You didn't pay for everything. Interesting else. way to put it. Or it's like, I'm, I'm actually trying to avoid using a specific example just because I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus. But, but and, then, and then there's, you know, also, you know, somebody, I had um, somebody who was a fashion designer and, and they said like, Hey, can we do a collaboration? And, and I played dumb. I said, Oh, I said like, what do you mean by that? And this was after I had already shot for them for like proper, like in a proper job. And they said, I thought we could just maybe go forward and do collaborations. And I said, Oh, like, what do you mean by that? And she said, Oh, well, you know, like, it's like where all these creatives get together and they do this project where everybody gets um, exposure and it'd be really good for exposure for you. And I said, okay, well, I, <laughs> I said, how about you just give me your clothes and I'll walk around wearing them and I'll tell people that they're your brand and that'll be really good exposure for you. And I don't think people really think about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, wait a second. Photography is a service and it's a product and people don't understand that. And, and if you frame it in a way that they can understand it, like I wouldn't give away my product or my service for free or I wouldn't do it yeah. for exposure, then then sometimes they look back and they go, oh, okay, I kind of get that now, you know? Yeah. And like, you don't want to have to get to that point in a conversation where you need to lay oh. it out like that, but... The <laughs> like, E-word is the worst. The E-word. Yeah. But exposure. I, but I mean, that's 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 where certain conversations have gone. And and I just like, once again, I just said like, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to play that game, so... Fair enough. I mean, and it also, maybe not in that particular instance, but it also shines another point that sometimes you have to fire your clients. Like if they're just a pain in the ass or if they're just kind of disrespecting you. Like I've, um, I haven't luckily haven't had to, but I've had thoughts of it before. <laughs> um, but just like how a customer can, can fire somebody providing a service. You can also choose not to deal with certain individuals anymore just because they're offering you money. Doesn't mean it's worth pursuing if you know what i mean yeah absolutely and like for the most part i'd say like 95 percent of the people that i've worked with whether it was time for print or oh absolutely i mean they are incredible and and i i would work with like you know 95 percent of them again it was amazing experience so yeah these are the few and far between but when you do have to have those conversations they can be hard yeah and it just goes back to those standing up for yourself i think that's a really good theme here today um especially in commercial work and, and things like that and not getting pushed around. Cause it's so easy to have happen to you, which, and when you see it, it sucks. Yeah. 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 Right. I wanted to get into something we were talking about, uh, before we started recording, cause I had actually mentioned a point I wanted to talk to you about, which stemmed off of your website being so simple. Um, I wanted to talk about how, um, Sometimes the simplest photography ideas are the best ones. And you said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I lie in bed awake at night thinking of concepts because sometimes they're so complex. <laughs> and there's a ton of people right now listening, nodding, going, yeah, that's me. I'm staring at the ceiling thinking of <laughs> different ideas and concepts. Um, you know, where's the, where's, the pa- where's the balance to execute a good photograph? Simple, complex, you know, wh- where, where does it lie? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, we were talking about like one of my most viral photos and it was possibly the easiest shot I think I've ever taken. Um, yeah, (laughs) for everyone listening, if when you go to check out her page, it's the Australian shepherd in front of Lake Louise, which is amazing, an amazing picture, but also very simple, right? Like, so it's so simple. It's so, (laughs) I mean, but like, you can't go wrong. It's a beautiful background and a beautiful dog. Like there's, there's nothing to hate about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so the simple, I mean, simple works. I just, for me, when I shoot landscapes, I I mean, I don't sit there and kind of, um, yeah, like fantasize about these landscape shots that I'm going to do and make them super complicated. Like they are what they are. But when it comes to my portrait photography or even like Mm. fantasy stuff that I like to do, I will literally lay in bed at night and just like, yeah, three, four o'clock in the morning, get no sleep because I was trying to figure out a, 
how am I going to execute this? Who am I going to use to like do the makeup and who am I going to use for the model? And how am I, and who's going to agree to this? And like, what do I have? How do I source all the things that I need to source for this? Because I always see come up with these elaborate things. Like I've had photo shoots that have cost me like a thousand dollars. Wow. Like my own money just to execute something that I've, you know, like created in my mind. So I think I probably need to go back to being more simple, but I think that that's the creative side that really keeps me going. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, you do whatever, um, whatever floats your boat. Right. True. Would you say then that, that, um, when you're thinking about all those things and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that, and it's four in the morning, would you say the emotion is nervousness or are you channeling it more towards excitement? Oh, like definitely excitement. Like I get <clears throat> pretty hyped about these things. Yeah. Like I've got this, right? one, I'm talking to this one guy right now who's a model and we've got this concept that we're going to do over the next couple of months. And I'm going bananas, just like thinking <laughs> about like all the shots. And I like, I dream them up and I can see them. I can see every shot. Like it's like a, like a movie and, and the story that we want to tell. And I just can't wait to get out there and shoot. So I'm bugging them every day going like, so when can we do this? Like, we should probably go to the antique store and look for these things that we need for this shoot. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, who have, I, awesome. who have I got myself into? But yeah, it's just more kind of excitement. That's kind of what keeps me going. Right. And that's like, I wanted to ask that because that's my, um, my piece of advice for people who are like, tend to be more on the anxious side or get really, um, are chronically nervous about things. Um, I mean, since we're on the photographer mindset podcast, we were saying, I was telling you before, like the show is a lot about, um, attitudes and, and how we approach photography. And I think it's cool. It's a good way to reframe nervousness is to channel it as excitement. Cause like a lot of people would be nervous about that. Like, Oh my God, I have this big shoot coming up and where am I going to find the money? And, and suddenly they're awake because they're nervous and they're, they're anxious. Um, but if you can find a way to channel that into like, Oh my God, I have this cool opportunity. I'm so excited about it. It's Christmas morning. Then like you've instantly changed your mind's framework just by consciously choosing to, which I think is really cool. But I think for someone like you, it happens naturally, but it's important to recognize that, um, you know, there might be people lying in bed terrified. <laughs> oh, but, but I will say that my excitement becomes nervousness when I'm on set. When I, so let's say, I've, right. let's say I've like conjured up this elaborate idea for a shoot and it's crunch and, time and I'm doing yeah. it. And then I've got the model and I've got, the makeup artists and the stylist and they all came together and they just like, they fully killed it. Like they are delivering. And right. then at the end of it all, I've got a shoot and all I can, th- and I've said to them so many times on shoots, I've said like the pressure I feel right now, not to fuck this up. Like you have mm-hmm. no idea. Like yeah. what if I shoot things out of focus or like, what if I don't get the angles or what if I don't get the shot or what if I can't actually execute the thing I need to do in Photoshop after once we do this. And I think like I've ruined, I have wasted all of your time and that's where my fear comes in. And I, I've always overcome it. Like it's always worked out. Um, when does that feeling go away? At what point in the shoot? <sighs> like, I, I don't think like, it's not, it's not like inhibiting or anything. It's not like preventing. Of, co- of course not. No, but but I think it, it goes away once I've sat down at my computer and I open up the pictures and just really, like, yes. And then know exactly how I'm going to like love that the pictures or whatever else. And then I start doing it and I'm problem solving and I'm getting through it. And sometimes there's glitches and then I call somebody and go like, Oh my God, how do I fix this situation? So like right. you always know you can reach out to people, but yeah. I mean, and then, and then sometimes you just screw it up. Like sometimes there's things that don't work out as planned, but that's where, you know, you say you need to be flexible and go, but guess what? I got this amazing shot and I didn't even think I was going to do that. So yeah. Yeah. You work with, what I you think have. in a weird way too. Um, if you're thinking the right way, pressure's power, you know, like I have all these people depending on me, like, especially if you've played like a team sport before, I'll use this as an example. Like if you mess up, your team loses. Right. So if you can find a way to like take all that pressure and be like, yeah, like I'm running the show here. A lot of this stuff is on my shoulders. Like I thrive in that. I love that. And I don't know maybe if like that's inherent or if you can learn that, but maybe it's just like consciously thinking about that, that, you know, pressure is power. And I find like when I'm in a shoot for, um, 
a client or, or a brand or whatever. Um, like the drive there, I'm nervous. I'm right. nervous. I'm kind of yeah. like, did I charge my batteries? Can I bring all my yes, you, <laughs> yeah. Is your FD card uh, empty? <laughs> yeah. um, did you bring two of them? Like, oh, yeah. what if your what if your your camera shutter just fine? This is the day that it dies and you're fucked. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, though, just like I played hockey, and this is always how I felt before yeah. the game. Yeah. And then as soon as you the puck drops or you do your first shift, it's gone. Yeah. Like yeah. you're just, you're yeah. in the zone. Yeah. You're in the <laughs> right. zone is the best way to put it. And yeah. like on a three hour shoot, you just kind of black out. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is like, you made me think about that. Like I used to play basketball until I recently watched the Michael Jordan documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, such a good documentary. So good. But do you remember when like they were shooting, I think they were shooting, practicing shots from like center line or something. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were saying like, oh, they said to Jordan, like, do you ever get nervous and think like, oh, my God, like, what if I don't make this shot? And he said, no, because it hasn't happened yet. Like, he's like, why am I worrying about something that's not even happening yet? And like, I love that line because it made me think like even yeah. for everything that I do, it's like, why are you stressing about all this crap that's like not even real? And so I right. think, that, yeah, I think that it kind of goes to that. Like when you're in the shoot, you're just like, wait, what are you, what are you stressing about? Like you haven't missed the shot. Yeah. Screwed this up. Usually. Yeah, and that's perfect. Why are you screwed up now? Yeah, exactly. Like you've done all the work to put yourself in this position to win, but that line, the Jordan line, like, why would I worry about it? The shot hasn't even happened yet. That makes, that makes no sense is, I mean, I, we could go on for another 45 minutes about this, but it reminds me, I've been doing a lot of thinking recently. You always hear like the buzz term or the buzz phrase, like, Oh, you got to be present, right? Like you got to be present in life. Yeah. And everyone's like, what the fuck does that mean? Nobody knows what that means. And <laughs> myself included, I've been trying to figure out like what, that means to me. And I think that's it. Like, why am I worrying about future events that I have no control over? Like that makes yeah. absolutely no sense. This is just clouding my judgment from performing now. So, and that goes for like worrying about the past, like just cause you missed the shot in the past doesn't mean that this one's going to miss. Yeah. So just something to think about. Shots you missed, you're probably going to screw it up next time. Like at least that was for me in basketball. Don't think about all the things that you <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But to me, I think like it, to relate it back to photography, that's being present. Like why just prepare, charge your batteries, do all that stuff. And you don't need to worry about messing up, you know, like just enjoy the shoot. You're there and be grateful that you're making money with your camera. Like really see the opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or just working with really cool, creative people. Or that's that, like that. just have fun. Yeah. Have fun. Or <laughs> as my dad used to say, did you have fun? Did you do your best? Exactly. That's all you can ask for. Melissa, this has been awesome. It's been, I think, a good time to wrap up. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. Hope you gained a lot of knowledge and value from this episode. And if you did and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating or a review. It would mean so much to me. I'm putting all this stuff out there for free for you guys. Not trying to guilt trip you, but anything you can do uh, to support the show is much appreciated on my behalf. Uh, Thanks again for listening, as always. Till next time, go get shooting, go get editing, and stay focused. See you then.